This week, I had the opportunity to host Luis Vega, who is a professional golf instructor in Italy. He's from Spain, first Spaniard on the pod. We talk a little bit about golf culture in Europe and how it varies from the United States. We get to learn about Luis, his background growing up in Spain, uh, some of the best regions to play golf in when you're in Spain, best golf courses, growing up in Madrid, uh, playing on the Alps Tour, which is a European uh, mini tour or feeder to the DP World Tour. Then we talk about Luis's experiences off the course. He was in um, sort of a tragic accident, and we learn a little bit about how that changed his perspective on golf and in life. If you enjoy, I want to give a shout out to Jay at Talk Birdie to me. He connected Luis and I. Jay's working on a project called Victory Golf Brands. I'll tag their information in the show notes. If you're a new listener, welcome. My name is Daniel Badaraco. At the end of the day, I want to add value to your life. I want to do whatever it takes to get into your podcast rotation. So a lot of cool, interesting episodes coming up, all golf related or golf adjacent, as my friend likes to say. Uh, give me five stars on Spotify or wherever you're consuming these podcasts. I hope you enjoy. Again, my name is Daniel, and thank you for giving this podcast a shot. Hope you enjoy. Luis Vega, back for part two, baby. <laughs> How you doing? You're doing well, man. Sorry about yesterday, but uh, internet's working well. I'm excited to have you on. First Spaniard on the podcast. Spain is a special place in my heart, dude. I got to study abroad there back in college, and I love the culture. I love the people. Um, so it's cool to have you on. I know I know, golf is a big Thank part of, uh, of Spain. There's been a lot of really uh, famous champions it there. Is. So I wanted to talk a little it bit is. about... Uh, that before we kind of get into to everything. So what, what was it like growing up in Spain playing golf? Well, uh, so I would say uh, something like, uh, you know what you have uh, until you lose it, something like that, you know? So you, especially Spanish, uh, Spaniard, uh, we don't realize our country or culture until uh, you get out. <laughs> um, I completely, 100% agree. Uh, because we have an amazing country in the sense of uh, we have good weather, uh, we have beach, we have mountain, uh, we have big cities, uh, we have a uh, countryside, uh, we have golf courses, we have pretty much everything you can think about it and you may need to have a good life, uh, you can find it in, in Spain. Yeah, dude, I want to retire in Sevilla. That's where I want to eh. go, dude. It's, it's too hot in summer. In summer, yeah. So, like, most Spaniards, they, like, you know, live in the center of the country, and then summertime, they'll move to the beach, right? Yeah, so there's actually, we could say, two type of families. Uh, the ones that they move to the to the south uh, when it comes to summer, uh, when you're looking for the beach, uh, higher and hotter temperature, stuff like that. And there's another type that like to, to go to the north. Uh, you, you are going to find beach at the same time. But it's true that the temperatures are a little bit lower. Uh, you won't find like 45 degrees like in Sevilla. But uh, you will find more or less like around 23 to, 20, 23 to 25 degrees. But I could say that also you can sleep <laughs> because it's not too hot. Uh, that's why it's, it's also really good enough. 
for sure. All right, so when you think of like the best golf courses in Spain, man, like which regions would you say have the best golf? Well, uh, if we have to talk about the best golf courses in in Spain, I couldn't say just uh, one part because uh, Andalusia, for example, uh, has more golf courses than probably any other place in Europe. All right. So break that down. So 90% of my audience is in America. (laughs) So what is Andalusia? Like where in Spain is that? So let's think about if if Spain were United States. So Andalusia would be like uh, Texas, like the south of the the country. And uh, it's the the, the biggest, say the biggest state uh, in uh, in Spain. And it's where you can find most of of the golf courses. If we have to talk about the best golfers, uh, best golf courses in Spain, uh, it's true that in the south of Spain has Valderrama, which is obviously uh, one of the best golf courses, not only in Spain, but in Europe and in the world. But as I said to you, uh, one of the best golf courses, from my point of view, it's, it's my club in Madrid, but also in the north of Spain, uh, we have um, Pedreña, where Sevi Ballesteros uh, started to play. And also, like in Catalonia, has the Pegia de Catalonia, El Prat. Uh, so also in Valencia, El Saler. So we could say that the uh, north, south, south east, east. <laughs> yeah. El Centro, in the, the, uh, in the center of the country too, in Madrid. Like it's all over golf, good golf all over Spain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So for you, dialing into you, man. Can you let's let's talk about you? Like you know, where did you grow up? Where are you from? So I'm from Madrid. Uh, I was born in Madrid, and I lived in Madrid uh, until I was uh, 18 years old. And I, I, I couldn't say I moved to the United States, but uh, for four years I studied in the United States. I came back only for Christmas and summer. Uh, once I graduated, I came back to Madrid. Uh, I stayed in Madrid until 20. 21, yeah, 2021. Uh, that, uh, at summer, September 2021, I moved to officially to, to Italy. And since then, I am here. <laughs> You're in. So, so, what do you do in Italy? I mean, are you a player? What, what, are you an instructor? What's, what, what's going on in Italy right yeah, now? Yeah, so when I, when I moved here, the, the first year I was, I was playing and I was playing on the Alps tour, I was playing on the Spanish tour. Um, so, I would just. Mm, I could say my life was just uh, practicing and get uh, get ready to, to play in tournaments until August uh, 2022 uh, that uh, something changed my life. Um, luckily, it's all good, uh, it's all past, but uh, it made me, you know, think. Uh, well, choose a different path. Uh, luckily, uh, the person I have uh, close to me. Uh, told me two years ago to to start doing a, um, like to become a PGA coach. Let's call it that way. Uh, so I started uh, to do it in Spain because it's really hard to get into. Uh, there is like a school uh, where only eighteen players, eighteen not players, but eighteen guys in the whole country uh, can get to, to this school uh, to become a let's call it a, a PGA coach. Because he's not actually a PGA coach, but it's like a coach, Spanish coach, let's call it that way. Uh, so I was lucky to get into because it's not easy. Uh, it's only 18 spots over 100 people. 
Wait, is it owned by the PGA? Is it like PGA de España or like? No, no, it's like about the Spanish Federation. So it's like the Spanish Federation has the their own. um, Let's call it a school or formation degree uh, to become a a coach. Uh, But only, as I said, uh, only eighteen guys can get into, uh, and it's almost like a year and a half. but it's like degree. all it's like a college basically right kind of thing it's like a college yeah so it's uh, pretty much every two months every two months and a half uh, i had to go to madrid for a whole week uh, where we study different subjects everything related to to golf but to become not only a coach uh, but to become let's say like a like a real pro inside of a of a golf college no? uh, so it's business we, too it's like operations managing inventory yeah i mean like uh, to become a real coach uh, you have to not only know all the technique about the short game long game everything and be able to teach but also how to to manage academy how to manage a academy only for kids uh, how to work on the pro shop uh, how to be able to communicate uh, everything you learn uh, you have to know about um, club making. You know, uh, we we learn everything. Obviously, a lot of stuff we know it because most of the people doing this, uh, let's call it degree, uh, we are pros. But uh, at the same time, it's not that easy. <laughs> Wait, so <laughs> 18 that guys, we, that's it in the entire country every it. year? It's in like the, the classes. Yeah. So, like, are these we, guys just, like, sticks? Like, are they really good players? Or, like, how do you so get selected? Do you I have to apply some, and play, too? My my, my year uh, from 18 guys, what we are we were actually, like, 22, 23 because there were, like, three, four guys that didn't pass the exams uh, last year, uh, the year before. Um, so, some of us were, like, pro players playing, my case, playing on the Alps Tour. There was uh, another friend of mine playing on the, on the challenge tour but he played on the european tour a really good friend of mine uh, plays alps tour some challenge tour some european tour event but uh, the next year uh, after i graduated there were players like uh, you might heard like pedro riol that played in the challenge tour i won on the challenge tour and play on the european tour uh, gonzalo canal de castaños a seven-time winner in european tour so so it's everyone only... in Europe, like like in Spain, if you're if you were like the head pro, you're gonna be a great player, pretty much, because like you have to. I mean, it's so competitive have... to become a player, like a pro, right? At a it club. is. It is. It is difficult, but uh, especially for example, to you guys understand uh, how good this degree is, is the one of the only recognized degrees as a coach in the whole world. So it doesn't matter if you go to work to the United States, you go to England, you go to France, you go to Spain, you go to Italy. Uh, my degree is recognized in the whole world. Uh, so that's the reason it's, it's so hard to get into and it's so hard to pass it. I failed exams and I had to redo it. And I, right. and I thought I knew about technique and I had to redo it. Right. <laughs> right. So, but that exam was pretty much everything. Like you said, it's like all encompassing. It's operations, it's swing, it's, it's no, short game. So it's we have different short. subjects and each subject has exam. But for example, the, the technique exam, let's, let's call it like the uh, long game. Okay. For example, uh, it was a whole day taking the exam because uh, you have like a theory part, theoretical part, but then you have some uh, practice. The same. You have to see some videos, some images. 
and you will have to be able to uh, find all the mistakes, uh, how to fix them, uh, what would you do, how you do it. So it's, it's actually not that easy. And so especially when you go to the short game, it's not only the short game, it's you have a path, you have chip, you have pitch, you have bunker, and you will have to be able to pass all the exams. <laughs> So it sounds like we should all move to Spain to get golf lessons then in the U.S., right? That's the reason a lot of, a lot of people and a lot of players move to Spain. <laughs> right. That's badass. So, like, when you talk about Spanish golf, like, golf in Spain, is it growing? Is it a big sport? Um, obviously, you know, you guys have soccer. I got to go to one of my one of my highlights, by the way, was going to El Derby. Dude, Atletico and Real. <laughs> and, dude, Ronaldo had a hat trick. It was the craziest thing. He had three goals. It was it's literally so, the craziest event. It's of pretty my crazy. Life, in yeah. in Spain, we have the the culture of, of football, not soccer, mm-hmm. football. Okay, right. Okay. Get, right. Football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get that right. Yeah. Get that right. Football, food. Okay, not hands. Yeah. You guys do. <laughs> no, no, but uh, we have the culture of, uh, of football. Uh, but it's true that, luckily, uh, and the past years, we have always uh, had uh, a good Spanish player in each sport. Like, okay, soccer, we were like a 2010 winner uh, at the World Cup. But also at tennis, we have Rafa Nadal. At uh, Formula One, we have Fernando Alonso. Uh, it, do- it really doesn't matter what sport you're looking at, like in, at motorbikes, uh, at swimming. Pretty much in any sport, uh, we have, luckily, uh, we have a good uh, good player or, or a good team, no? So in golf, we luckily had uh, Severiano Ballesteros. Mm-hmm. Dude, can we just Sevilla. dial into Seve for a second? Like, growing up, was everything Seve, Seve, Seve? Because he was when essentially I, like the GOAT, right? Like, he was the greatest Spanish or one of the greatest Spanish players of all I, time. I have the... Let's say I'm, I'm very lucky because I know his son. Uh, because he also practiced at my club. Uh, at Madrid, yeah, uh, I'm lucky to know him. I played with him, and I mean, when you look at him and you look at what his dad has done for not not for the Spanish goal, but for the Europe and for the world, it's it's amazing. So as I said, we always had a, a good Spanish player. Then we had Sergio Garcia. Uh, we have many other ones like Rafa Cabrera, La Raza, who was won last week. For example, uh, Castaño, and now we have uh, Jordan, who is the number one in the world. So it's true that uh, uh, in Spain they build uh, really good academies. Uh, they have a really good, uh, um, how do you say, like young um, academies, you know? Yeah, like development to, programs to yeah, develop exactly, the development youth. programs yeah. uh, for the kids uh, that they want to become better and better. They have a really good amateur program, so we could say that golf is a is not known as many as much as as soccer, for example, or or tennis or basketball. But it's true that golf, if you compare with another countries in in Europe, it's one of the the biggest ones. Right. All right. I kind of have two questions right now. So, like, when you think of Spain. Is it mostly clubs, like private clubs, or are there a lot of like public courses that guys can go and play? Hmm. Or is you know what I mean? Like, is it accessible? Is golf accessible, or is it mostly the private clubs? So, 
uh, it's a tough question because uh, since I was little, I was very, very, very lucky to be able to uh, practice and be a member of a private club. Actually, one of the most private clubs in, in Spain and in Europe, I can tell you. Which Even is, one world. more time, real because, dude, I want to go to Spain and play there with you. What, what is it? What's the club called? Puerta de Hierro. Puerta but de this, Hierro? Puerta de Hierro, but this club, if you don't get invited by a member, you won't get into. Okay? So, and also in Spain. It's like the Augusta so, Cyprus of Spain, basically. I mean, I couldn't say that, but uh, it's very, very private. So, for example, right now, the only way you can get a member is if you get married to a member right now, and you won't be a member. Mm-hmm. But you Spanish will be women are beautiful, though, you know? So, hey, move <laughs> to Spain. All right, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, your, your, your kids, yeah. if you decide, if, if you decide you want to pay, the fee, the, the monthly fee or the year fee, uh, they can become a member. But it's because they are uh, your sons and your kids or because you marry a woman member or because you marry a man member. That's the only way right now to do it. So what I was saying is, obviously there is a, a lot of uh, private clubs, not only in Madrid, but in the whole country. But at the same time, it's very, very, very easy to play golf. It doesn't matter where you go. So obviously, if you go to Madrid to play golf, yes, you will find clubs like La Moraleja, Puerta de Hierro, La Ipica, Club uh, de Campo. They are private. Yeah, but that's four. Then you have like another 50 clubs that you can go and play that they are not uh, private. You just go, pay, and play. So yeah, obviously, they will have a lot of private courses, but... If we look the numbers, I guarantee there are much, much, much more public courses than private courses. For sure. Okay. No, just curious. And then the other thing I was curious about was the academy. So, like growing up, for you, did you did you grow up and like develop in the same like academy of your of your club? And like, what was like that yes. like? Was it pretty intense? Because when I think about my childhood, like I got to go. I was part of a club as well, but it was more of one on one lessons like with the instructor and then no, I'd go and I mean, grind also, on the range and then play in tournaments, it dep- it but it depends, wasn't with like dep- a group of other people. You know what I mean? It depends a lot on the club. Uh, let me explain that. So in my club, for example, uh, I was lucky enough to say that I was a member of the, of the team. No, um, I was a member since I was very, very, very young until I went to college. So I went through all the, all the years. Uh, but my my club is not like a let's say sporty club in the sense we have a team we have everything you may need <laughs> you may ask uh, to learn and to improve but uh, my club is more like a family club in the sense that a lot a lot of family comes on Sunday Saturday you know have lunch uh, have fun make the kids uh, play that's it. Uh, but we have a we, we had a, a team and we were playing against another clubs. But there are another clubs like for example Club uh, de Campo or La Ipica. Uh, it's another very private club, but with a really 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 good academy. So they push the the kids uh, much more. They have very very good programs. Right. But, but it's, it's kind of really like cool. you go to school and then you go to the like like the academy and it's basically just like no no or like, no is you, it you, no. No, so you go to school, 
that's it. But the academies, uh, if you don't go to like a very, very high level academy, uh, they only work on Saturdays and Sundays. Another another thing is like in you, you are, for example, 14 years old and you are handicap zero and you are, um, so let's say in Madrid, okay, then like the regional team, like the Madrid Federation has like a, it's called Cetema, uh, which is like a high level uh, players. So they're going to sign you, they're going to take you, not take you, they're going to ask you, you want to join them <laughs> and you're going to practice with them. And then if you become even, even, even better, it's going to happen the same but with the Spanish Federation, like at the national team. Okay, so it's, it, let's say like in the United States, we'd be like, imagine you're really good. So like Texas, uh, Florida has like their own, you play for your club, but then it comes like the, the Texas, Texas state or Florida state and say, okay, uh, and I want you in my regional um, team. Okay, perfect. And you play against the, another regional team. But then once you become really, really good, then the national team takes you. The difference, like you, United States, you don't play against the Canada or against the Mexico, against Colombia, against Brazil. In Europe, uh, we, we play, we play. Uh, Spanish team play against uh, French, against England, against Germany, against Swiss, uh, you know, they play against uh, like, What are those, countries. like, what is that? What are those tournaments called? Like in Europe, when it's just like juniors playing against each other. Because when I'm thinking about the U.S., I'm thinking of like the best players probably would play in like AJGA events, you know. And they yeah, even so get it's like, like international. So it's like for example, too. if you if you play like the okay, they go to play like the the British amateur junior, or they go to play the European under eighteen. You know, I don't actually know the those names, but the right. stuff stuff like that. Right, no. That's or, or like the, the the one I said yesterday, you know, like the like the, the Spanish Cup or the French Cup. So mm-hmm. The national team goes to France and play against. Yeah, the like many Ryder Cups, but for for amateurs. Also, like they amateurs. they all they also play like that. They also play like there are match plays. Like for example, uh, Spain against French or Spain against uh, England. You know, stuff mm-hmm. stuff like that. Okay. All right, dude, let's dial into Luis now. Like, dude, so how did you start <laughs> playing golf? Or like, when did you start to get really good, you know, in your childhood? Mm, no, in my childhood, I've never been a really a really good amateur player until, as I said, uh, until I was in college. After my junior year, I didn't start to play a golf that I could call good golf you know because when i say good uh, good golf is that we are shooting under par <laughs> yeah obviously I was, when i was playing good practice round i was shooting under par but it's not the same as shooting under par when you're in a tournament that's not, that's another thing <laughs> okay so then so you got so but you got to play in college right i mean what yeah. was that transition like from europe to to the uh college university in the united states because was that a big culture shift for you as well i mean you're away from home you're in a different culture different language like what was that like man but for me the hardest part was the, the language by far then obviously the first semester was wasn't easy i wasn't playing good golf and the language uh, i was not able to to speak almost with anyone uh, I was struggling with the um, with the classes, so it was a little bit tough in that sense. The other part, uh, as I always said, uh, I was living with friends, 
bagus playing goal what, what, what can I say like uh, just think about that I mean uh, I just uh, I was going to class from 8 to 12.30 I was having lunch and then I was going to the golf course to play and I was doing that every single day and then when I was done I was going to the gym and I was hanging out with friends I mean if you don't like that <laughs> <laughs> it's a good life, dude. It's a good life. I think sure. you you have a problem. Obviously, then right. uh, also pretty much uh, once a month uh, we're going to tournaments. So it was it, it was really cool, you know, six seven guys on a band, uh, all dressed up the same with the same bag, with, uh, traveling around. Yeah, no one hour away because the United States is not small. So like six seven hours away, getting there, uh, meeting new people, playing golf courses that I always say the same. We played golf courses that if you don't play college, you are not going to play them. You're not going to play them. Yeah. Obviously, uh, I remember one year we played, um, my freshman year, I played Pinehurst. Okay. Yeah, okay maybe... all right, to give people context, though, where, where was your college, man? Was it in, like, where were North you going Carolina. to school? Okay, North, North Carolina, Carolina, but very, very close to the mountains. No, not yeah. close to the coast. So like Two hours away from, yeah. from, or from East, Charlotte. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I was East Coast, but uh, the mountains were to the west part uh, of the state, which is like two hours away from Charlotte, uh, which is like the, the biggest city. And think about it, that we were like traveling to South Carolina, we were traveling uh, 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 yeah, to the north of Florida. So uh, for you guys to know, <laughs> uh, from Verbal, which was my my college uh, to the north of Florida is like seven hours drive. <laughs> we're not driving one hour because one hour you wouldn't get anywhere <laughs> in the United States. Uh, but I always say we were playing like courses that So you normally... played Pinehurst? Did you play Kiowa too? Because Kiowa is in... That's the other one I was, I, was, I was going to tell you. So uh, I played Kiowa. So for example, if you go to the United States and you are a golf fan, okay, you might go to Pinehurst you might go to Kiawa Island, and I get it. But uh, I remember we were very lucky uh, to practice uh, each Wednesday and each Thursday in two private clubs. Uh, one was called uh, Suffer Valley. I don't remember if we went like every Thursday or every Wednesday, but one of those days. Uh, and it's a club that is shut down from November to May. That's it. Then it opens <laughs> when it's good weather. When when it's bad weather, they close it. They don't need it so because all the members go to basically. all the members go to South Carolina. Right. Yeah, they, they, like and then other one was Lake Toxaway, another private course. Just just to guys imagine how good it was. The first tee, okay, it was close to the putting green. So the the putting green was doing like this, okay, with a big slope. Okay, so this is the parting green, and when you go to this part that is flat, they took the black tees and they put really? them there. So we were teeing off from the that. so we were teeing off from the green. Yeah, it's like on a short part on a short part four that we were playing like four irons hybrid. So <laughs> yeah, you can Im- you can imagine <laughs> the first time one guy make a huge debut there. But yeah, yeah just to but dude, out, I can I'm, attest to that. Like, I love that because that's what's so cool about college golf. Because I played like just one year, and I got to play like SF Club, and because I was on the West Coast, San Francisco Golf okay. Club and Meadow Club. So like courses I had no business going to, 
but still, like we got to play there like a no, couple these, rounds these, or whatever. These clouds were, were amazing in the sense like we were getting there like on Thursday, like around three thirty PM. There was no one. Just us. One guy in the pro shop, which I never seen because once we we were there, we just taking the bags, go straight to the driving range, putting green, and then we were we went to play into the course. And we never I think we practiced in those two courses over two or three years. Mm-hmm. I never seen a member. Really? I never had to wait. Yeah. If I had to wait, it's because my teammates were really slow in front right. of me. Like <laughs> just yeah. to get uh, just there's nothing better than that, dude. Literally, I love having the golf course to yourself. You don't have to wait on anyone. Um, I think it was my junior year. I don't remember my um, my dad flew uh, to the United States, and so I called my coach and said, "Okay, well, my dad is here. Uh, is it possible to book a tee time? Uh, I want to show him one of these private golf courses, no?" And I took him, and I was like, "Well, it's just us, no one else. We get, we got, yeah." It's very strange to go to a golf course and there was no one, just you. Dude, I love that. That's like going to Del Mar and because I'm in San Diego. Have you ever been to California? Have you been on the West Coast? I've been, yeah, last year, yeah. yeah. The club I've been playing at recently is like that. No tee times. Like you walk out, you're the only people there. Like, that's like the best, the best situation, you know, to be uh, to be out on a golf course. But for you, like, was this was the course the course quality different? I mean, was it an adjustment to go from Spain I mean, to the U.S.? Actually not. I expected, for example, when you go to play to Florida, the grass is completely different. Okay? Um, you have to look at the grain and, you know, it's this type of grass that is a little bit different. But luckily, where these two private golf courses, I don't know why, but they had like the grass uh, pretty much the same as my private club. I mean, my private club. Sorry. My club in Madrid. And um, it's true that... Uh, my club in Madrid, they have a really, really high quality. Like, so for me, uh, it's pretty strange to find golf courses uh, as the same quality at my club. So when I was going to play to these two courses, I was very lucky because I was used to to play in those conditions. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, obviously it's a strange, you know, you know, the first time you get there, you see nobody uh, and you find that you have to play from the green in the first tee, okay, you know it's something different. But apart from that, uh, not really. Because you said you weren't like that great of an amateur player, but you kind of found your way, right, throughout your, your career. Yeah, so the biggest change I could say I made when I was in college is when I started to work with a psychologist. And it, and it changed completely the way I, I was thinking on the course. And also... Uh, one thing that helped me a lot is just uh, when I realized uh, we know that golf is an individual sport, okay? We can agree on that. But when you play for a team, it changed the way you think because uh, I remember it was five players, okay? You pick the best four scores. So what happened is, uh, let's say three of your teammates are like level par, okay? Uh, through the front nine, and you are f- f- six shot. So you're playing like shit one day. Six shot. Yeah, but what happened if the fifth guy is eight over? You are the fourth guy. Right. You got to play. You got to make yeah, some birdies. You, you got to keep you know? playing. So yeah. it's better to shoot five over than shoot six over. 
So when I was playing that way, uh, I started to never give up. Obviously, I had bad days. Then uh, I discovered that my coach was not telling me the truth and it was helping me. So because I always try to, to, to shoot the lowest round. So he discovered that when I was six over and he came to me and said, okay, Luis, we need you. I was ending shooting three over. Okay. So, so many times when I, when I was like level par or one under, he was telling me, okay, this guy, your teammate is three under. I was like, fuck's sake. No, uh-uh. he's not beating me. And then I was like finishing shooting like, I don't know, two, three under. And then when I get, I saw the score and he was one over. But, but it was working. So yeah, I, so I realized... Just knows which <laughs> buttons to press, man. Yeah, like, uh, it depends on the... So he, he wasn't a very technical coach. He had pretty much no idea about the swing. But uh, after four years, he he started to, to know how to... Like, I remember when we were, like, playing the the, the conference my, my, my last semester... Uh, my senior year, uh, we were like only five players preparing for for that for that event. Uh, but it was funny because we always try to practice. Uh, obviously, we practice the same days, the same hours, but we try to do the same thing. Like, okay, now today, right now, we're going to the range, then we go to the short game, then we go to Blinden Hall. And now, I would change if I if I would have the chance. You know, to practice different, I would have done it different. But at that point, it, it was working for me. Uh, and I was a guy that I was not hitting that many golf balls. I was playing a lot and working a lot my short game. Uh, but I was able to score. So I remember uh, one of the weeks, previous week before the conference, he was like preparing everything. And he was like, okay, guys, I made the schedule for the week. We're going to see each other in the gym. We, we get the band and then we go uh, the fifth together to, to, the, to the course. Uh, so he's, he used to send it this on, on Sunday evening. So then we were ready for, for the week. And I could see like uh, there was another two, three guys that had to do driving range or four guys doing driving range and just myself doing golf course. Which makes no sense. Why? Well, <laughs> for me, it was, it was working. Because, okay, if we were practicing like two, three hours that day, for example. Well, I was doing two hours on the golf course. I was playing nine holes. And then I was doing some short game. While the other guys were like hitting balls and then doing some short game or playing just four balls. Yeah. Dude, but one that's thing that's it, interesting about having like a coach <laughs> like that is just kind of reflecting on my situation, like all the golf I've played. Like you might have a, a golf coach for like a team, whether it's high school or college, but they, like you said, they might not be the most technical or like have even that much experience in golf for whatever reason at the level I played, you know, I'm sure if you played like, like a top program, obviously that coach is going to be solid. So it's just interesting too, because all the players have their own instructor as well. You know, like I'm assuming you had your own swing coach either back in Madrid. Yeah, so and you, like this guy was just like facilitating the practice. So like, who's to yeah, say so he's doing it right or coach, wrong? You know what I mean? So like coach, he's just a for guy. example, it, it was fun because we called him the, like a mama coach. Mama, <laughs> because he Mama, just brings yeah. snacks on the course. Exactly. So yeah, he was taking us to the tournament. Uh, he just dropped us, uh, dropped us there. He was mm-hmm. going to the hotel uh, to 
to make sure the rooms were, were ready. Yeah, he's like back. a chaperone, basically. He's just like, all right, Luis, Came back, tea uh, time's give at us, 7.30. Give us all, all the Gatorades, yeah. all the sandwich, all the snack for the golf course. When we were done, okay, guys, uh, you play 18 holes. Uh, you feel you need more practice. No, coach, I want to go to room. No, I want to do some short game. Okay, do you want to go to room? He wants to do some short game. You wait on the band because <laughs> this player wants to do some short game or hitting balls. He was waiting for us, then uh, dinner and go to the room. Uh but I remember, for example, my, my coach was in Spain. I was working with him. Then luckily we have uh, one of our teammates, uh, a Swiss guy, very tall, two meters high, really good ball striker, one of the best players in the team, obviously. But at that point, he was actually like the coach, like the guy that knows more technique. The technical so, coach. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he, was actually, he was the player, I mean. But uh, we could see like at the end of the my junior year, because he, he was also a freshman when I, when I got there. So he graduated at the same time as me. We were together the, the, the whole, yeah, the four years. And uh, he was like the coach. He was like, hey, Oscar, I'm not hitting good the ball. And he was looking at, oh, I'm not able to putt. I'm not able to chip. So he was the one like helping right. the team. I, yeah. I, I had my, my coach back home and I was working with him. Mm. And also... Playing at college, uh, it helps you to to realize that you actually don't need a coach. I mean, you need the a coach. Instructor. It's, really, it's really important. No, you have to learn how to play, even if you're not if you're not swinging good the ball. Because at some point, I was like slicing the ball. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Aim 50 meters left and play with a slice to the middle of the fairway. I mean, obviously, it's not the, it's not the best thing. After four months like that, <laughs> when I was getting home. <laughs> the swing was <laughs> very bad, but you will have to be able to play with that because you won't have your golf coach every day with you. Mm-hmm. That's and one thing that have- I kind of regret. And if I were to look back and talk to myself as a kid, <clears throat> I would say that that's like, and you want to go play college golf. Like that's something that uh, I would like no, sit I would, down I wouldn't with change so many things. Eh? If I had the chance right now, I wouldn't change so many things. Yeah, but you reflect and you see, like, dude, you have to understand the golf course, like, your swing. You have to understand. You can't rely on your instructor, right? I think that, as a junior, when I look back, that's what I did. I relied too heavily. Like, Like, oh, my God, I'm hitting it like shit. Go to see Jason versus, like, understanding my swing. Right now, as a coach, uh, working also as a coach, but also I I am a pro. So I can see the difference. Like, for example, a couple of years ago, I went through a very big change on my swing. But I knew I had to do it if I wanted to get to the top and I knew it but I knew it was going to be tough but right now I see a lot of players I'm, I'm not telling you a handicap 30 okay? but I'm seeing a lot, a lot of players like maybe handicap 5 handicap 4 handicap 6 I want to become a scratch excuse me scratch from a handicap 5 there's not that much difference on the swing no because I want to no make it simple you are playing fate, go to the tournament and play in fate. No, because I need I, I'm a drop player. I don't care. You today you show up to the driving range and you fade the ball. What's the point of trying to hit the draw? There's no there's no point because uh, what they have to learn is that you have to shoot, you have to make a low score. Well, because I, I can see that when I was an amateur, you know, uh, I was being really short, very, very short. The people were going like 40, 50 yards past me. Okay. 
what's the point of trying to hit the driver harder? I mean, in my case, I'm not gonna get there, but but I trust my eight iron. My eight iron, I can, I can I guarantee, I stack it in much much more closer than your 50, 60 degree. You got to trust your game. You're like Colin Morikawa, dude. But I totally agree with you because a lot of guys, they like see things on TV. They want to hit a draw. They want to hit a fade. They want to hit it low. They want to hit it high. But at the end of the day, like based on what you're saying, it's like you have to just go and play your game. Like you have to understand your game because that's what golf is. It's like scoring, right? There is a sentence, a good sentence that I use right now with my students is, okay, you want to make it beautiful or you want to shoot low? Pick what you want. You want to make it beautiful? Okay. I can show you how to make a love shot. It's okay. You want to shoot though? Then let's learn the chip. Right. How do you oh, say that? that? Do you teach in Italian or do you teach in Spanish or what language do you no, teach? I teach in Italian. Will you say that for the people so they can hear it? How do you say, will you teach it beautiful or will you teach it or do you want to score? How do you say that? Yeah. Let me think how, how they say it because now I have to change everything. Yeah. Um, vuoi farlo bello? Or will fare pochi colpi? Do you want to do it like beauty way, you know? Yeah. Or do you want to shoot the low? I mean, dude, that's a soundbite right there. I'm gonna clip that out. I just wanted to use that to to promote the pod. But that's sick, man. I love that because it's like there's no pictures on the scorecard, man. You have to play your game. Like you want you want to make it beauty, you want to make it beautiful, or you want to shoot low. It's it's actually like that. No, because I want to hit it high. Well, you have to play high when you have to play high. Also, at the same way I said, if you are a really good short game player with the 60 degrees, go ahead because that's the most intelligent thing. Because in your case, you want to shoot low and you know you can shoot lower rounds playing high shot. Then it's okay. That makes sense. But if you are a 25 handicap... But actually, if you go to the PGA Tour uh, Instagram and you... Or, you know, to Instagram, and you look at all these clips from Morikawa for all these players when they ask them, "Can you give a three advice to to the to an amateur?" They all say the same thing: uh, avoid the big numbers, uh, try to get more greens, uh, don't make three paths, and try to make it easy. Like, I know it sounds like easy easy to say, but it's actually the truth. I mean. The, the, the main difference from a handicap zero to a handicap 10 is not that the handicap zero makes six birdies on the round. It doesn't make that many bogeys. <laughs> it's actually easier than we think. Mm-hmm. It's just it's interesting easier. to see because, dude, there's so much information online about like how to fix your swing. Like everything is just like how to fix this, how to fix that. But the reality is it's like that's golf swing. That's not golf. You know Obviously, what I mean? Obviously, if you're a player when you want to get the driver, you make a 60 meters push slice, okay. <laughs> then you you will have to fix that. Or you top every single three wood. Obviously, you will have to fix that. For sure, I always say the same. That doesn't mean that if the short game is, for, for myself, is the most important part of the game, that doesn't mean you have to go anymore to the driving range. Obviously, you will have to go to the driving range the same as any PGA2 player goes to the driving range. But what they advise and what we we advise is that you are going to improve much faster if you work on your short game right now than on your long game. Because if you get to a 350 meters par four, if your seven iron goes 100 meters, 
you go seven iron, seven iron, seven iron, approach and two pass, you make a six, you made a double. How hard is that to do it? The main difference, if you hit maybe the driver at the beginning and more or less you go to the fairway, you will get in green in three shots, two pass, bogey. Well, you make a bogey, you're a handicap 18, eh? They made an interview to Dustin Johnson. Last year, they asked him, they asked, uh, they asked him, uh, last year, how many draws do you play with the driver? He said like you two or one. It was it like no, one or zero? No, on zero. purpose, on purpose, zero. On yeah. purpose. Right. Another thing is that it, it comes the, the nice pull hook <laughs> right. that you didn't want. It. Is he a bad player because he, he plays a fake? Mm. I don't think so. Uh, obviously, I guarantee you, like he wants to play a draw. So he goes to the driving range and you talk him, Dustin, make a draw, he can make it. Dude, why but, do you think that is? Because like in my mind, the way I think <clears> it is, like you, you say you're a kid or like you're, you're, some, you're an amateur and you see Rory just stripe a drive. He hits it high, he hits it long, carries 330 <clears> with a draw, right? That just looks cool. Like he looks athletic, he looks like a pro. That looks cool, but there's nothing cooler than like, shooting a good score and feeling like good about yourself and high the rest well, of the day yeah, on your yeah. score. You know what I mean? Like, you know what that's like. And I'd rather do that than like, Oh, I hit it high on one shot. It's like, no dude, par 72. You have to go off your ball. Right. I, I've seen that, uh, giving lessons to amateur that they have just started. Okay. Mm-hmm. For example, it happened to me a couple, couple of days ago. I was with, a couple of guys that they have just had like four or five lessons with me. They started from zero and after three, four, four classes and uh, lessons, uh, they come to the course with me. We have like a small course of part threes for the first time after just four lessons. Okay. And what happened is in the first lesson, I hit a couple of balls to, to show them. Okay. Obviously pretty soft, but if I do even a soft seven iron, 150 yards, more or less I can do it. And they're like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, but when they go to the course, even if they hit a shitty tee shot, if they make another shot and they make up and two pads, they realize and they get happier, you know, uh, because they should fight. And then when we repeat the hole, they make a four, even though he, he made a shittier tee shot, but he doesn't care. And that's when they start to learn that uh, it's actually not that important to make a good Obviously, when they make, you know, beautiful approach, high approach, <laughs> high pitch, they love it. But I always say the things like uh, in football, do you think he cares uh, how beautiful you play it or how many goals you score? In basketball, oh, no, Madrid, yeah. How many did you score? In tennis, oh, I played really good. Yeah. Did you win the match or not? It's actually the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, but I don't they, know why. They Do you think it's because of the range? Do you think it's because of the range? Like, because people are obsessed I, with hitting balls? I, like, they're just want like, to go to the I range? Don't like, I don't like the range. Yeah. Dude, I grew up on the range, like a range rat. And that's honestly, like, my detriment, I think. Like, if you have the opportunity to play or go to the range, you should definitely play, right? Uh, I guarantee that uh, when I was in Madrid, I was hitting over 500 balls a day. So... I know what, what it means to be on the driving range. But it's true that at the same time, I always explain this to the guys, that they have to think that the golf is the only sport that where you practice 
is completely different where you play. Because in soccer, you practice on the soccer field. Basketball, basketball field. Tennis, tennis court. If you do, uh, yeah, I don't know, another sport. Baseball, on the baseball pitch. But in golf, the driving range has nothing to look the same as the golf course. So that's why when they start with me, for example, that's the way I do it. Anyone can have their own opinion, eh? They can do it the say their own way. Uh, I can't guarantee that you will have you will get the handicap in ten lessons because obviously it depends on the on the person, the ability, the strength, and everything. But more or less, on average, if you follow these steps or at least the steps that I'm doing and I've seen that in working with me, uh, you will get the handicap. The third lesson, third lesson, they are on the course, on the course. Because the first lesson, obviously, they get on the, on the driving range. We have to learn the basis, how to grab the club, how to set the posture, alignment, everything. Also, we do with the pad, how to grab the club, the posture, the alignment. You know, they start to feel a little bit distance, everything. Okay. Second day, we get back to the driving range and we focus on the driving range. But the third day, we get to the course and we start to work on the chip. So you think about it, if you want to make them play on a par three, if more or less they know how to hit the ball, they know how to putt, and they know how to chip, they can play. More or less. Dude, I love that because like, when I think about an instructor, like I could see an instructor being like, all right, I'm going to sell you this lesson of like 10 lessons, you know, and we're going to spend, we're going to sit on the range for the next 10 hours, <coughs> you know, in 10 different sessions and hit balls and work on technique. But then like, if you're an amateur, you just get it in your head that like hitting golf balls is a sport. Because but then in reality, you, you go to the golf course and you're like, what the fuck is this, dude? It's a totally different game. Like you said, about, right? You have to think about, you have to think about this and the way, the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to play tennis, you go to play football, you go to play basketball, you want to have fun, don't you? Yeah, for sure. That's the reason, you know, when you go to play basketball yeah. with your friends, you want to have fun. I don't know what happened with golf that it looks like because the technique is really hard you cannot have fun. You cannot forget that it's a game it's a sport and you want to have fun. So the one, one player starts to play golf they have fun on the golf course they don't have fun on the driving range. Yeah, obviously the first day when they start to hit some balls and you see the ball going high making 50 meters okay. They laugh and they like it. And that's you know as I say the golf has just taking them but they don't have fun as, as in the golf course so what i always try them is okay maybe the fourth lesson when they go to play two or three holes with me obviously they're not gonna make three shots from 100 meters they're gonna make eight shots but it doesn't matter they had so much more fun and then I explain to them okay we did the fourth lesson right now the fifth the sixth and maybe the seventh we're going to you know do a little bit of driving range. We're going to try to put the driver. We're going to show you how to make, play maybe a hybrid. We're going to come back and do some short game. And then the last three, we're going to, to the golf course, to the big golf course, because in our academy, we have uh, two short holes. Okay, but then when they go to the golf course, after seven lessons, yeah, they are exciting, but they haven't been in the driving range for seven, day, for seven lessons. They tried... Hit the ball, do some padding, do some chip, go to this course. Then we come back. One day we have driving 
uh, hybrid different clubs, and then we come back to the party and we do. I think it has to be like that way. And I might be wrong. Eh? I'm telling you yeah. that there's no, many, like your many, many different opinions, like... and each one can do it in the same way. Uh, but yeah. this is for like a average person, obviously not for, right. not for kids, but for one guy that wants to learn, obviously it depends on how much time do you practice. Mm-hmm. You will be able to have that uh, handicap after 10 lessons. Mm-hmm. If you come 10 lessons in just one week, you won't be able. But I've seen that if from like in two months, 10 lessons, two months and a half, 10 lessons, I think it's fair enough. Yeah. One lesson a week, more or less, when you come to practice, right. I think it's fair enough. I like your philosophy because you're getting them on the course too, you know, like I, I just feel like you're teaching them the game and you're like fostering that love for the game versus just like, this is the technique, this is the technique, you know, like no one's no, going to perfect the technique. Even Tiger, I, like at his prime, I never to them. I explained the to them you know? that without technique, you won't be able to hit the ball. I mean, I would say the same, like the, actually the first 10 minutes with them, I told them. I'm so sorry for these 10 minutes because I'm going to give you so much information about how to grab the club, how to set the post, and how to hit the ball that your brain is going to explode. But if you are able to learn this, this is so much easier than we think. It's difficult if you want to play at my level. If you want to shoot a 68, forget about it. But actually, to, to go to the course and play... Every hole on three per bogey. It's not that hard. I mean, it depends on the person, obviously. Yeah. No, we make it hard. But, dude, we make it hard. And here's the thing. We like, make it so hard. So people, hard. people get all this information. They get overloaded. And then they end up, like, hating the game. And I'm just thinking about you. And I kind of want to dial into back back into Luis. More than, like, you the person, not the instructor. I mean, you talked about in college you had to go to see the uh, the psychologist, right? Because you were so mental, right? Because, because I was that's the way so, I was. Uh, I was so angry every time. Dude, angry at every everything. Time. And then you like derive your self-worth from golf as like a competitor. And you play like shit. And you're like, oh, dude, my life, whatever. But dude, it's a privilege to play golf. And I've realized that over time. Like I've matured. Like to be on the golf course is a blessing. You know what I mean? But like over time, especially when you're like playing competitively, it's easy to just beat yourself up. You know what I mean? So, like, when you were working with that guy, what did you learn? Was it, like, meditation or just how to, how to like, think through the golf course? Or, like, what did he teach you? Because that sort of unlocked you, right, to become was, a better player? Actually, it was uh, thinking more how to have a routine. Any, any pro player will tell you this. It's important to have a routine pre-shot and after-shot, in a sense. Uh, it's important to have all the thoughts before getting to the ball. When you are over the ball, just hit the ball. It's amazing how much easier it gets. Because over the ball, we think so many things. Our brain is very, very intelligent. If we do a practice, obviously, then we can miss it, obviously. That doesn't mean you're going to hit every single shot perfectly. And then realize that uh, when you hit a shot, if you miss it, just think about this. Okay. I made my calculation. Okay. My distance. Okay. Perfect. Uh, I checked the wind. Okay. Okay. I took the right club. Yes. Perfect. Okay. I was calm over the ball. Yes. I hit the ball. Yes. Did I do everything it was on my hand? Yes. Then 
No, but then he blows hard in the wind. It's in your hands. Right. No, it's, in your, it's not in your hands. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Dude, oh, who no, is your I mean, guy? I, was it Dr. Joe Parent? Who is your person? Like, no, your no, no, no. It's a, she's a really good psychologist from Spain. I was working with her on a, like this, online with her. Uh, she became um, very important to me uh, on and off of the pitch. And uh, it's true that uh, I started to work with her as an amateur, then I turned pro, uh, with her as a pro. Yeah. And uh, it changed the, the, way, the way you think, you know, because uh, obviously I get mad. Obviously. Uh, you, you can get angry. It's not a problem. But it's the way you you handle you handle the anger or how you use that anger. Uh, it's, it's a little bit like that. Yeah, dude. So like I had on Doctor Joe Perrin. He wrote this book called Zen Golf. This is like a couple weeks ago, and he talked about like what you said. I mean, similar philosophies. Like your your pre shot routine or your routine doesn't end <laughs> after you hit the shot. Like you reflect on the shot and you realize like, hey. Some of this stuff was out of my control. Like I did everything I could possibly do. But that's what's crazy about golf is like, dude, it's a tough game, right? I mean, it's a it's a really no, hard game. It happens, for example, no, you, you do all your calculations. Uh, you hit a perfect shot. You bounce the ball like two meters before the pin. But then because the greens are hard, the ball bounces and goes like 60 meters, six meters long. That's not in your hand. I mean, you, you, you thought like bouncing the ball two meters before was was enough <laughs> it's not in your in your hand i mean or if you you thought 150 meters no wind eight iron but then it starts to blow like huge into you uh, into your face oh 50 meters short yeah uh, i'm so sorry i mean it started to blow once you hit the ball no before you hit the ball right you know That's what I mean? game, dude. We're crazy I mean, to play this game, but dude, I love it. It changed my life, you know? Like, I wouldn't not play golf, right? It's, it's like that. That's actually, the, 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 let's say, the, the beauty of this game, you know? Like, the, we are pros because we have the ability to, not, not to control it, but to, to read everything. Like, to read the green, to read the wind. Uh, also, we know how far we go. You know, it depends because it's uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, if it's uh, sunny, if it's hot, if it's cold, if it rains. I mean, obviously we have a good swing and we hit much more time. <laughs> uh, the ball in the center of the club, of the, the club face. But it's, it's more like that, is uh, to be able to, to control, like, I say, like the striety and to pick the right club. Because I, I've seen that a lot, in a lot of amateurs. No, I do with the sun. Do a perfect shot on, when you have like 50 meters of green and they leave it short, like they leave it short, I don't know, eight meters. I said, okay, do you like that shot? Yeah, I did really good. Okay, take the pitching and do it the same way. Do it and leave it close. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. It's just miss the club. I mean, mm. <laughs> right. Dude, so let's dial into your pro career. So you said you played on the Alps. So this was after university, right? What was that like? Going from college to playing pro, I mean, it was it was cool because I was you know uh, traveling around Spain, you know, uh, meeting different players, playing different courses. But it's true that if I look now as my first year as a pro, 
mm-hmm. into my last year as a pro, oh my god, it changed a lot. Yeah. Uh, From what? What do you mean? Like changed. the way you played, the way you saw the game, mm-hmm. or what? No, I mean, I think I improved my game because I was able to hit the ball much longer. I was able to to move the ball both ways. I improved a lot of things. Uh, obviously, if I wouldn't know what I needed uh, to be a good pro, probably I would have started doing it before. But at the same time, it looks like when I started pro, I was doing better scores, but with higher scores. I mean, better results with higher scores. That's why uh, you have in mind, like, okay, no, uh, I'm getting worse. But at the same time, I'm getting better. It's, it's hard because, let me explain. So when I when right, I what do you pro, mean by that? Like your technique yeah, was so, worse, but you scored. You so shot no, no. So when I when I when I started when when I my first my first year as a pro, maybe uh, I was shooting one over one over. I was able to play in the weekend. Okay. So my technique was not good. I was shooting one over one over, but I was playing the weekend. Right now, I can see my swing much better going. Uh, I'm talking 2022, okay? Uh, much better, hitting the ball much longer, controlling my game. I was shooting one under, one under, one under, but missing the cut. Why? Because it's not the same at 2017 than at 2022. It's only like five the years. Players are better? Or? The players are much better. Much better. Everything has changed. If you think about it, if you just grab one club, one driver from 2022 and one driver from 2017, just think about it. We were talking about, in Taylor May, we were talking about the steel of 2022 and 2017. What was it? M5? So no? the, the technology is better? No, not the technology, but in... for example, I remember my, my first year as a pro, I was going to the driving range and what you could see is just the players hitting balls, okay? Mm-hmm. My One of my last Alps Tour events, June last year, uh, you were getting to the driving range. It was very strange to see just the player by himself. It was the player with his coach, with right. another coach, and with the track man. Right. On the Alps and team. a foresight. <laughs> like it's both. That, it's, that, yeah. it's like that. Well, it changed a lot. I remember also like, uh, my first events in Egypt, playing on the Alps tour, we were like that, like just you and your carry back. That's it. Practicing, okay. Obviously, we had the the mirror, the rope, you know, all the stuff that uh, pros we we used to practice. But my last event, uh, crazy. Uh, like people were like, players were bringing like the stuff, the the coach, the the. the uh, Personal trainer, uh, trackman. It was crazy. I mean, uh, how how much changed. So that's so why. What I, advice? If you could give yourself advice, or like, say you're a new pro starting out, like you know, what advice would you give him? Because you played like on the circuits and like the, the Alps for how many years? For a while, right? Like multiple years, right? Or how long? My was first, that? my like first five years, right? Think, my first Alps, I think, was 20, 2017. 2017? Yeah, and when was the last event? Uh, June 2022. Okay, so five years, right? Yeah. yeah so, like, what years. advice would you have to someone who's, like, just starting out on the mini tours? I mean, we talked about the high handicaps, but, like, 
that's what's cool about this is like we can pick your brain like if you could give someone advice from a mini tour who's just huh. starting out now out of college what would you tell them learn to make burpees yeah <laughs> All right no no i'm not kidding eh? i'm not kidding the, the thing is like uh, every player on the alps tour conferry tour all these guys can hit the ball so long very very long but the one that wins is the one that makes up and down from 150 yards it's true it's like that eh? it, doesn't, it's, it doesn't work in a different way it's like that you have to be able to make birdies and it's not like you will find courses like very 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 long or very very tough so, but you will have to be able to with 71 71 at yeah. this point those guys go stupid low I mean like Dude, I saw some scores like 62-62. Holy like shit. Sp- but that's example, all over the world, uh, too. Like in Spain, it's fucking crazy as well, two, right? Two, three events uh, before the last one. This week, uh, they play in Italy, Alps Tour. Last week was also Italy. I don't know. That was like two, three events ago, okay? Uh, they played in Spain. Yeah. The cut was a minus six, a minus seven, a minus eight. I don't know. Something like that. So, think about it. Crazy low, dude. So That's like you should make the half. You shoot yeah. 69, 69, which, well, it doesn't matter if the course is short, easy, you still have to shoot 69 and you miss the cut. What do you think? You play bad. Yeah. <laughs> no chance. So make birdies, dude. We make this game harder than it should be, right? Because you can make bogeys. It doesn't matter. Do you make birdies? It's true. Look, look at the rounds uh, on the European Tour or uh, on the PA Tour. When they shoot 900, they still make bogeys. Or not? Or when they shoot... Look at the, no, don't look at the 900 because 900, obviously, you have to play good and you make nine, nine birdies or seven birdies and an eagle. But look a lot of the rounds of four and 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they make bogeys. They don't, they don't make four birdies, eh? I, I guarantee they don't make four birdies. Right. I'm gonna so look for one you. thing. Let, let me let me look at the European tour last week. I guarantee, guarantee. Uh, uh, for example, no, I I actually show it. I don't know if I'm able to see last week event, but uh, oh, this is yeah. European or actually like the you know the Alps? Euro, European. Uh, yeah, I can. Let me see. Maybe if I can go to schedule. So because. I saw I saw this uh, from last week. Okay, last week they were playing the I don't actually can see it here the KLMM Open. Okay, I don't know if you. Okay, you see that the guys that won was uh, La Rozabal, no? Can Is we Spanier? see it there? Yeah, La Rozabal. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You see that he Pablo, shot three right? under. Yeah. You see that he shot three under, no? Yeah. Okay. Show it again for the people real fast. So hold it, hold it still, because it... you can see all my favorites guys there. Okay, all the Spanish guys. Yeah, they're all okay. Spanish. All right. Yeah. Okay. You see, see three under minus thirteen for the tournament. Yeah. Let's see. I see. Okay. okay. Look at his. Let's look at his last round. Okay. He shot three under. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is is blue bogey or double? Blue's double. double. Yeah. So he made one, two, three, four, five, six birdies. One double and a bogey. 
Okay, so you, 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 can make mis you can make mistakes. Obviously, you can make mistakes. Let's look at another one. This guy shoot 400. One guy that I shoot. Okay, this is another good example. <laughs> it has always been one guy that shoot. All right. Let me see if I can find the... It's very strange to see. Mm -hmm. This guy shoot 400 also. Let me see. Zoom out. So one, three, what? Seven bogeys and two. Okay, or seven birdies. Okay, it's kind of hard to see, but we get the point, man. You see, so like, like uh, so for the, you, the, dude. The, like as an the instructor. Key, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. The, the key is actually to make birdies. Obviously, how can we make birdies? Uh, That's what I was gonna game. say, man. You make everything so simple, dude. How do we make more birdies, man? Because like. We talked about again. We talked about the high handicapper who's just like starting out in golf. But like, like say you want to go pro and make more birdies, dude. How do we do that? I mean, how can we practice? How can we get better? First thing you have to do when you are like a scratch player or something like that, you have to have a good statistics. You have to know where you you're losing shots because you may think, oh, I'm a really good, uh, I don't know, driving iron guy. I mean, iron guy. Right. Okay. Perfect. I take every single day 15 to 16 greens. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. But I'm such a bad pad guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. How far do you leave those irons from the pin? Oh, no, it's true. When I have a pitching wedge, uh, then I leave it to 15 meters. <laughs> okay. I mean, that doesn't mean you have to... what? Hey, I'm an American. Uh, That's like 15 meters, like 40, 50 45 feet. feet. 45 yeah. feet. 45 so, That's terrible, dude. Come on. Let's be real, no, dude. Exactly. Yeah. So, but uh, he spends a lot of time partying. No, oh, every time uh, I'm such a bad, uh, I'm, I can't make any up and down. Okay. But if the pin is, for example, on the right side, okay, and it's in a small slope, uh, but when you miss on the right side, uh, you find that it's a, you know, something like this. That doesn't mean you're a bad uh, short game guy. It's that you're missing every time to the worst spot. So, it's, uh, to be able to... And this is much easier to say it, eh? Because I, <laughs> I am a pro <laughs> and I work that. Yeah. And it's not that easy, obviously. But once you know why you're dropping shots, then it's much easier to, to work on that. And then, But for the short game, it's just actually easier than you think. Uh, to improve your short game, okay, find your 150 meter because that oh that might be I don't know if you're a long player for example for myself that I'm not a long player is 115 meters because at the distance I do with my wedges 150 meters which is like around 130 yards more or less okay, that's my wedges but if you're a long guy and you play your 52 degrees 150 yards okay that's gonna be your yardage but from that distance. You can't miss any green. Obviously, you're going to miss greens, but you can't miss any greens and you have to work on your distance, try to get it as close as possible. And that's something that you can work on it. Right. Wait, so for stats, kind of going back to what you said, for stats, do you use an app or like how do you... Because I know Matthew Fitzpatrick uses a freaking like a book, right? But dude, who's going to do that realistically for me? No. So one thing we didn't say is that uh, my degree was I studied mathematics which makes no sense of what I do for a living, but <laughs> uh, I don't know if 
Uh, I can try to show here if I can find them. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, something that I started with one of my my coaches um, at 2018, something like that. And then even though that if I change uh, coaches, uh, I kept using them. I changed them a little bit. I I think I improved them. Okay. So I made a photo. I don't think you will be able to see it very good, but at least you make an idea. Mm -hmm. So many numbers. Can you yeah. see them? Yeah, that's all your stats? Yes. So, yeah. starting from here. Dude, you're like Matthew Fitzpatrick, dude. So here are all, all the all the courses, all the scores, and then we start with all the numbers. And then at the end, obviously, you guys cannot see it because I didn't make the picture. Okay. Uh, it gives me all the average of myself of the year, all the average of myself of the previous year, mm. all the average of the number one player in the PGA Tour on each part year. that I'm looking at, yeah. and the uh, 75, uh, 75th guy uh, on the PGA Tour, which is the one that uh, keeps the, the card. Yeah. So it gives me an idea how far I am from the number one and how far I am from the yeah. 75th guy. Obviously, some of the points, uh, I try to use color, no? So some of the points. Do you and, still do this? Yeah, I was doing until last year, until I got injured. Right. Uh, and so what did you learn using... from that, dude? Because <laughs> it's just like so well, fractional too, right? Well, this thing, if you do it like just two days, it doesn't work. Right, you have to I use mean, it. You have it's to, all data. You have to you use, have to use it every day, every day yeah. when, when you go to play. Uh, what I learned, well, in, when I was in college, I always thought that I was a good ball striker, good with the driver, never miss a fairway, very bad with the putting, until I started doing this. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you when you get more speed, obviously, you know, you are, you are going to miss more fairways. That, uh, for sure, because you try to do harder swings, and it's harder to hit the ball. But uh, looking at the stats, I started to look at different things. Not that much at how many fairways I take, but looking more at one stat is very important. It's called good drive. Good drive means that you have to add to the fairways you take, you have to add uh, the greens you take when you miss the driver, when you miss the fairway. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wait, so, what do you mean by that? Okay, so imagine you go to play, okay? Yeah. And you take five fairways only from 14. That means your driver was shit. Right. No? Okay. But what do I tell you if from the other nine fairways that you miss, you took nine greens? Mm. Okay. That means your driver wasn't that bad. Mm. Okay. You might done an amazing recovery shot, but you don't do nine recovery nine shots. times, yeah. Right. So you have four par fives. Okay. What happened? Uh, on a par five, uh, if I miss the green, if I miss the fairway, okay, I might not get in two into shots to the green but I guarantee I can make a birdie mm -hmm. punch it out or play an iron then with a wedge so if you punch it out and you play from 70 meters to the green like 70 yards that doesn't mean your driver was bad not really right. I don't know if you understand what, I, what I'm trying to say well dude I think I get what you're saying because like the stats tell the picture but at the same time they might not tell the picture too like based on 
you know, like say you said you missed nine greens, but you hit the or nine fairways, you hit the green. Like maybe you know you do hit a good recovery shot, but no, because it could just be off on the fairway. Te, you know what I mean? I, like, I tell you on one the, thing. Okay, you play eighteen holes. Okay, yeah. you play fourteen times the driver. Seven go to the middle of the fairway, but seven goes to the first cut of the rough. Right. Okay. Fuck. Uh, if the fairway is just like twenty yards wide, I mean, I don't think that's a bad drive. But you right. cannot count it. It's the same way I count green as regulation and green plus fringe. Mm. And because if uh, let's say if a pin is, I don't know, uh, seven feet from the right and you miss just like half inch into the fringe, that doesn't mean you took the green. Right. But that's not a bad shot, especially yeah. if you are hitting with a five iron. Dude, so For what example. are some other misleading stats? Like, what are some stats that are just like, <laughs> in your mind that maybe mm. you like to calculate a different way? Because this is essentially like this spreadsheet's basically your stats, because, your way of calculating yeah, it, right? For example, there is so many plays that uh, they putt, no, from the fringe. Yeah. Okay. And they count them as a putt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, but if this happens to you, if you take like five, six screens on the fringe and you putt it, and you should make 36 paths. Actually, you didn't make 36 paths. You made 30 paths because six of them were from the fringe and it doesn't count as the fringe. At the same way, that doesn't count as a green. If not, you have to count those as a green. You know what I mean? So instead of missing six greens, because if you miss six greens and then you add six paths, then your score would have been much, much higher. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not true. All right. So no, stats are you have to though, you, like, you have to make you have to make sure when you start the stat you set uh, uh, your stats and say okay I'm gonna count fringe as green mm-hmm. perfect but <laughs> but that's not true because then you will have to count also the path from the fringe right yeah. so if you want to make it yeah. real if you want to make it perfect you want to make it like the tour. You have to say, fairway is fairway, green is green, padding is padding. Mm-hmm. And like that. Wait, so for you here though, were you counting like distance from the hole as well? I was, I was like, counting from 115 meters uh, below. Because that was my, my, my yardage with the wedges. And I wanted to know how many greens I was taking, like the percentage of the greens. How many I was making up and down. Because that was the key for me, if I wasn't able to do that. And how close? Because they say, man, today I was, I had like seven chances from 150 meters to 40 meters. That was my, my distance. Because um, closer to 40 meters, I call it as up and down. It's a little different. Uh, yes, uh, today I was shit. I was not able to make any, any up and down. Yeah, but I was leaving, I was leaving my wedges to six, seven meters every time, like uh, 18 foot, 20 footers. Obviously, it's harder. Then that means you have to keep working on your wedges, not on your putting. Another thing is like one day you have six chances, you give yourself from those six chances, six chances from six to eight feet, and you didn't make any ones, and then go to the putting. It's important to know that because then you don't know how to practice. Right. Dude, I bet you like most people don't. I mean, like, you hear about guys like Matt Fitzpatrick taking their stats and then you showing us that spreadsheet. Like it's pretty intense. Like there's not necessarily like a good yeah, but, way but, that but exists this that scene, I know but of. But this, this shit is much, much, 
smaller than Matthew Fitzpatrick. Yeah? But this is what pretty much all the pros should have. And I'm telling you, uh, I I know guys that even though they're really good and they want to become a pros and they don't have this. But that doesn't mean you you must have the same numbers or the same thing I'm looking at. Uh, you might look at different things. You might put another things. As I said before, this is mine, my opinion, and this is, I think this is at least uh, one thing that you should have if you want to. Obviously, if you are, for example, a handicap four and you want to improve, okay, you can remove stuff from here and make it much easier, but you should have one. No, I I agree. But what I'm trying to say is I bet you like most, like, and you just said it as well, most people (laughs) don't do this, but they they probably should be doing this because then... Like if you look at the numbers, you it's undisputing. You can't you okay. can't argue with it, right? You have look to for you example, know, and you know look, where to improve, right? Look for example at the stats. I'm gonna ask you one thing. Yeah, I told you I'm not a really long player. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. I have my 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 average here of par five, par four, and par threes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not a long player. Uh, for distance or for score or what? No, for distances. Okay, I'm I'm not a long player. Yeah. I don't hit the driver far. Okay. Which are the Par four, par five, par threes with the lowest uh, average score. In my in my case, par For three, you? par four, par five. Yeah, I would say par, like the lowest score you have on all those. I would say par five. Why? Because you have I'm an not, extra stroke. Because you're a good wedge player, I'm assuming. So you hit driver, you hit something close, and then you. But I can, but I can, but there's some players that get in two with an iron. Mm-hmm. But they're no. shitty putters, right? They have terrible short game. What I'm saying is. Uh, so many players think that okay, you are a really long player. Hit driver five iron to the green. Yes. If I check my my average here, I guarantee you uh, I cannot see it from here. But this was like twenty twenty one, which is long time ago. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna tell you. Was it par five? Oh, was that right? Uh, no, this I started. I started to use this one in twenty twenty two. Okay, then I have to find it. But it was actually par five. Yeah, uh, I don't have it here. But um, no, I get what you're saying I, though. Like it was. It, it was like four. Like it, be... it was like four point seven something like that. Eh? Right. It's like, and I'm not a long player, but mm-hmm. because I'm not a long player, even though if I work my long game, I put much more effort on my short game because I know it's where I have to be very good. That's something I got to get better on my stats, dude, for sure. All right, dude. So we got to talk about, uh, we got to talk about the accident, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's something that came up in your career and like, you know, Jay talk birdie to me at talk birdie to me. I mean, he like showed me some of your articles and whatnot. So like, can we talk a little bit about that going back from, stats into like Luis the man <laughs> so it's a period of time luckily I can say now I can talk about it with no problem because luckily everything passed and I'm fine now and I'm healthy uh, it looks like I won't have any, any, any problem we hope for it uh, but it was uh, when I was on vacation uh, that's when we, when we were talking about my my tournament. My my, my last mm-hmm. tournament was June 2022. 
almost like nine months ago. Um, I went on vacation with, with my girlfriend to the United States. Uh, and when three days before heading back, I I was on, on the bed and it started to, to feel a lot of pain on my back. You guys cannot understand it. It's a lot of pain on my back. And I woke up my my girlfriend and I, I told her that I was feeling really bad. Uh, so she she took me to, to the bathroom to, to have a shower. And when I came back, I was struggling to walk. But well, I went back to the to the, to the bed and I, and I and I tried to sleep. Uh, you to understand, you guys have to think that I was set up uh, uh, looking to the, to the roof now. Uh, and at some point, um, because the pain was really really bad, I was like, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna wake her up again. And I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell her. So I woke her up and I told her, okay, the pain is really, really bad. I feel really bad. Um, and because I was like light on the bed for like two, three hours in the same position, I felt my legs were like uh, fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the same way when you are like uh, on a plane traveling and you feel like you're, you're not able to, <laughs> to move your foot or your legs, something like that. So she tried me to get up from the, from the bed. And at the point she took me, okay, and put me up, I completely fall. Uh, my legs were not able to, to handle my body. Uh, so at that point, we, we got very, 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 <laughs> very scared. Mm. Um, so she took me back to the, to the bed. Uh, she lied me on the bed. And every time I was trying to set up to like 90 degrees, the pain was really bad. So actually, I couldn't. So I stepped uh, light on the bed. Uh, we call her her sister and her parents they were there with, with us uh, and her sister performed some type of uh, exam of me because she's, she's studying uh, uh, medicine yeah. and my girlfriend is physiotherapist so yeah. uh, they were performing some tests on me just to verify if I could feel anything actually I could feel like someone was touching me but I could not move my legs yeah. uh, so then we, we called the ambulance the, the ambulance came they had to bring a um, wheelchair because I was not, not able to walk, not even to, to move. I was able to move my arms, but that's it. From, from here all the way down, I was not able to, to do anything. So they took me straight to the hospital and we explained the situation and they, they started to, to run some tests. Uh, and they moved me to, to like a room and they, they took me to do, a, how do you say, um, well, this type of test, uh, you can do like a tube. Uh, yeah, x-ray or mri a- x-ray x-ray okay. mri yeah i cannot even hear that word anymore but it's okay yeah. um and when i came down because they, they told my girlfriend it was going to be like 30 minutes i came down like two hours later i didn't know that uh, apparently i fall asleep uh, when i came down to the room uh, i saw her it was uh, it's a face i could never forget about it uh, and, I, and i asked him what was going on and she she told me that uh, a doctor, surgeon, I don't remember who was, uh, told her that uh, I had a tumor on my back uh, and I was never going to be able to work again. I was going to live in a wheelchair. Uh, because from the MRI, they couldn't see if it was a tumor or if it was a blood clot. 
uh, hopefully, you know, young guy, uh, professional golf player, strange situation. They, they, they called different surgeon and they, they came right away. Uh, and they told me I had to wait because they, they weren't sure uh, what was going on. Uh, and then I was around... I went to, to the hospital around 8 a.m. I think so, and this was around 11 a.m. I cannot remember really good the, the hours, but something like that. And then around 2 p.m., something like that, I think they, they took me to do an x-ray just to, to verify if they could get me into the surgery. And around 5 p.m., they told me, okay, this guy is going to another room on the 10th floor. Uh, and once if we are ready, we are able to go to the... Uh, to do the, the operation uh, we'll go ahead I will have to wait there and they took me with, with my girlfriend with me hopefully she was with me every time uh, <laughs> I don't know what ha- would have happened without, without her with her uh, and when we arrived to the 10th floor something like that 11th floor I cannot remember uh, they told her uh, now you have to wait here we go straight to, to surgery they, they took me to surgery uh, when I got there, I remember perfectly come the, the surgeon and told me, do you know what type of uh, surgery we are going to perform from you? I was like, okay, they call it this way. I cannot even remember the, the yeah. word. This was the day uh, of too? Like they, the day, exactly, like the, exactly the same day. The same day. The same day I arrived at around yeah. 5 p.m. And so, okay, perfect. Uh, yes, that's what we're going to perform with you. You ready? Yes, okay. So they put me the mask, count to 100, from 100 to zero. You remember until 99, 98, 97. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot remember anything else. Right. And I remember uh, waking up uh, on the UC, no? I, ICU. Uh, in I Texas, Wait, uh, so they told you you were never going to walk again? And then like yes. hours later, they put you in surgery? Like yes. just to they remove? Put me, they you... put me in surgery because they have to perform surgery to verify if it was a tumor or if it was a blood clot. Gotcha. Um, when I woke up on after surgery... Uh, luckily the surgery came she's like okay uh, you were very lucky it was a blood cut uh, we got it on time we removed it uh, everything came out really good uh, he, I remember how he put the hand on, on my on my foot I think it was my foot he's like okay try to put pressure I was able to put pressure uh, he told me okay it's, it's crazy but uh, you're going to recover every strength uh, obviously it's going to take time it's not going to be easy and I was like okay I don't have my phone. I don't have anything. Just give me a phone. And I, and I called the hotel. I called my girlfriend. I called my parents. I was like, okay, surgery came came out really good. Uh, I'm out of uh, danger, <laughs> likely. Uh, and the next day I was able to, because I was alone at the, at the hospital, uh, because until 10 a.m., something like that, they didn't allow anyone to come to the, to the hospital. Uh, so my girlfriend came and I was able to get out of the bed uh, to sit on a chair to eat, uh, and then three, four late, three, four days after, they took me to another room, uh, and I had to stay there for like one more week. When I started to to work again, <laughs> it was like uh, I was born again. And when I look, you know, uh, I remember like around December, something like that. I remember the first time I swing a club again. I was like. What happened to me like three or four months later before, it was, uh, it was crazy. It, it, it was, it was crazy because it was from like 
the same day getting on a bike, uh, walking, you know, like nothing to end up on, on surgery. Uh, so it was strange. So you can see on, on my back here, because he was in the, the higher part, I have like a scarf, like this big. <laughs> I won't show you, I won't show you the image because it's, it's too, but I got, I got, I guarantee you it's, it's, it's a big one. I don't even know if I have the image, but okay. But, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I said to, at that point, they took me back to the, to the bed. And obviously my, my, my girlfriend, my girlfriend was there with me, you know, and I think she, she suffered even more than me. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, because she was alone at the hospital, you know, getting those news. I don't know. I don't ask me why. But I remember telling her, and I'm telling you, I, I told her this before going to surgery because it could sound really cool to say it now, you know, after everything was really good. But she can confirm this. I told her, don't worry about it. Yeah, obviously in Spanish. I'm not going to end up in wheelchair. It's very, very hard to beat me. Don't ask me why I say this at this point. Might be all the medicine <laughs> they give me. But at that point, uh, you can imagine, no? she cannot do anything. My parents cannot do anything. Her parents cannot do anything. No one can do anything in the sense of uh, how can I help? And I was like, no. I don't know. It came out to me like that way. And you can call it fate. You can call it crazy. I don't know. But uh, I actually told her this. And well, made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Wait, know how to say crazy. it. Wait, so but then I when did the, I... all these articles come out? Like, because that's then, then you, like, because <laughs> dude, if you Google Luis Vega, you see like New York Times, like all these companies. All exactly. These companies, then like, they, they, that happened then like they, right they, after? Or? They started to, to contact me uh, because what is really, really strange is um, one guy comes to the hospital with this uh, very strange scenario. But at the same time, he recovers really fast. Since like uh, after surgery, he was able to, to, to move the, the legs, the foot and everything. Uh, so that's the reason it was very strange. Because what happened to me is very normal when you have an accident or when you fall really hard, okay? That it means like uh, your vein uh, breaks, okay? Your, yeah, the vein breaks, uh, so all the blood goes uh, to your body. It's called like a, a spontaneous hematoma. I don't know if you say like this in English, but something like that. Uh, that's why the X-ray doctor told me, but what happened? You have an accident? Do you fall? No, no. That's why it was very strange, no? And that's the, the reason they, 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 they started to, to contact me. So how'd your perspective change? Because before, I mean, 26, young guy, right? Healthy, good golf player, like you're a pro at the time. How did this like impact you? Just the way you see life and like you, the way you see people, the way you see golf. Well, what I always say to the to the guys, and this is very strange what I say, what I'm gonna say, but I thank what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And you would say, well, how can you can thank this? Well, uh, actually, when I told you that my girlfriend made me do the the degree, you know, to become a coach, because she always told me, yeah, what happened if you get injured? What happened if you're not able to score? 
you know. Mm. And at the same time, I was like, well, you know what? Uh, obviously, I love playing golf. I love competing. Okay, but uh, it's true that uh, this game, when I was done with the with this degree, you know, to become a coach, uh, right after, like one month, two months later, when I came back home here to Italy, um, I got an offer uh, to manage a, a golf academy, uh, to be the head pro, uh, to be the head coach. So uh, then I realized, okay, I cannot get angry if I miss a shot because it happens what it happens to me. Like today, I, I played nine holes and I was like, okay, you, you haven't practiced that much in the last four days because I had a lot of uh, things to do, not only as a, as a coach, but, you know, managing the academy, getting students, uh, working with the brands, stuff like this. So it gave me like a perspective, okay, you know, now when I go to the course, I'm going to enjoy it. I don't have the pressure to shoot in this course. Obviously, I know I'm, I'm able to perform, I'm able to shoot because... Even though if I lost a lot of the speed I gained last year, I'm still able to shoot under par. But in one way, it's like, okay, you know what? You work pretty much in what you like. Uh, when you, have, you don't have no lessons, uh, you practice. So they're actually paying you when you practice. Uh, I don't know. That's why I say that some... I wouldn't say I have to thank it because a lot of people suffer. Me, the first. <laughs> Obviously, the first month when I was not even able to tie my shoes or have a shower. I needed the help of my, of my girlfriend. Sorry to say this, but, but it's true. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe I needed to happen. Not something like this, but... Maybe. I don't know how to say it. It's, uh, it's, actually, it's actually strange to, 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 to explain the, the feeling, you know. Right. I can't imagine. But dude, you said something like you can enjoy it now, which is interesting, you know, because I, I don't know, like, obviously, I can't relate to you. But ever since I started this podcast, I would say I enjoy golf more and feel more grateful for golf because I kind of took it for granted when I was like a junior, you know, so I definitely don't take golf for granted more. And like, just to get to hear different perspectives has been huge, too, and, and interesting. So no, it's true that obviously, I want to to shoot low. I get angry if I miss a wedge degree, obviously. I get angry if I miss a putt. But at the same way, I realize that I'm not practicing eight hours a day, not doing gym as I was doing because my body uh, is still recovering. Uh, I'm only able to do like nine holes carrying my back. I'm sure I can do 18 holes, but, my, but then I don't feel good. Uh, so, you know, there's some things that uh, I'm not doing it as I was doing it uh, one year ago. Well, not, not one year ago, but like nine months ago. So I cannot get that angry. Obviously, this, if it's a week that I'm not having that many lessons, I'm practicing whole week, hitting a couple items, I'm driving rain, working on the driving range, some short game. Okay, I expect to shoot, to play better. But if not, I cannot get angry. I mean... It's like I say to an amateur, how many days you practice a week? Once. How do you expect to improve? It's very hard. But that thing happens in everything in life. Eh? If you don't study, you're not going to pass the test. If you don't cook, then you're not going to become a better cooker. If you don't drive, you're not going to become a better driver. It's, 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 it's the same way. So uh, if you cook once a month, 
don't get angry if the pasta like you're Gordon cooking. Gordon Ramsay, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Don't you cannot expect to become a Gordon Ramsay. No, but it's true. It's like this. So in one sense, I kind of, I wouldn't say I lost the the competition or you know the, the ability to, to to become a better player. I want to play. If 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 I'm fit, uh, my game is still ready. I probably november play the alps to the q school why not but i'm not in a hurry i know i have a scarf like this big behind here <laughs> uh, once this is all good uh, i know i haven't lost my game in sense i'm playing in the golf course where i play is like seven thousand yards and i still shoot the under part let's see no, no not a six under but and shoot 100, 200. Right. Which is not Wait, so what percentage place. back are you? Like, what percentage healed? Like, could you, are you 100% or no? Are you like no. 60%, 70? No, I think, but heal in the sense of uh, my injury or how I was compared to when I got the injury. You know what I mean? I guess both, if, yeah. First physical. Because compared, if I have to say about my injury, it's 100% healed in sense. Talking about just the bone and everything's hundred percent here. Uh, in terms of being full recovery, with not with Luis Vega last year, but with my body and to be able to, you know, uh, do anything without getting tired and everything, I would say I'm maybe eighty-five percent. I'm not that far. I, I'm not able to walk eighteen holes with with carrying my back. I'm able to walk eighteen holes with no problem, eh? With trolling and everything. But even with I play 18 holes with, with, with a car, the last three, four holes, I start to miss. And I don't think it's I start to miss because of the score or the pressure or anything. There's something there. In terms of how I was uh, June 2022 compared to now, very, very far away. Because you have to think about it that at November 2021, my club speed was around 102. June 2022, my club speed was around 109, 110. That's a lot of work, man. I guarantee you. That's Wait, so when work. you got, like, prior to you getting injured, were you on the Alps, like, playing competitively, going around? Because you were just in, in New York for, like, vacation with the family, right? No, like, yeah. You... But before before I was, I, I started my season playing on, this, on the Spanish tour and playing... That was my first event of the act. I was expecting to play more after right. I was coming back. Right. <laughs> gotcha. That was my last. All right. Well, let's talk about life now, dude. So you're an instructor, right? Like, where are you at? Like, you're in Italy, or what's what's like? What's going on with Luis Vega? Like, post injury. I'm in Venice. Okay, right now I live I live in Venice, and right now, as I said, uh, I'm the head pro, the head coach. Uh, at the golf course here in Venice, at the to the at the coast, okay, a little bit, little bit north of the coast, a bit of, actually, Venice, but just top of the of the city, you know, the city that we we know, <laughs> and and that's pretty much what I do. And I'm managing the academy in the sense of trying to build a good academy for the future. Uh, try to find try to find as many kids as possible. Try to find as many brands as possible. Uh, you know, try to build something that on a future I won't, I think I won't be the coach, hopefully to have 
you know, coaches working with me, and that's the the main idea. Mm-hmm. All right, you mentioned brands. We got to give Jay a shout out because he connected us, right? We have to. <laughs> Let's talk about the brands you work with and um, yeah, like so his company I'm, or Victory. I'm actually, brands. I'm actually very, very lucky and very proud of, of the brands that work with me that I call my team. Uh, obviously, there are the the teams that the, I mean the the, the brands that been working with me for a long time and luckily they keep working with me. So brands like. BDO, which is my main sponsor. Uh, obviously, then we have many, many different brands that I'm very proud to keep working with them, like Tankura uh, Golf Shoes, uh, that I renewed the contract even though after the incident. And I'm very, very happy to be their ambassador. Uh, Not called Brand, which they, they give me the gloves and actually the best leather glove you could think about it. Um, you can see on my on my Instagram. I've been working with them uh, before the incident, and I keep working with them after the um, after the incident. Uh, also, like Pure to Improve, uh, it's another brand that I keep working with uh, for just let's say over a year and a half, something like that, two years, and I'm still working with them. They give me all the all the material I need to to practice, like shaft, padding net. Uh, driving mat, everything, uh, mirror, everything you could think about it to, to help your, your performance. It's amazing. Um, I hope I don't forget anyone because luckily, <laughs> I'm a lucky guy that works with a lot of branders. Uh, also, uh, around December last year, I started to work with uh, an Italian brand called uh, Deluxe Golf. Uh, it's making me all the, all the polos, all the hats, uh, everything you can think about it, you know. Uh, yeah, the beanie when it's cold uh, to protect your neck also when, when it's cold everything like that uh, it's amazing it's a luxury brand and it's actually fantastic everything is making with, with my own with my own logo but also uh, after the incident even though I'm not playing <laughs> uh, at this moment more more tournaments there comes two new brands uh, that I'm very very happy to work with uh, one is Tacomo uh, that is helping me with all my irons, my wedges. Uh, it's actually fantastic. I changed my irons uh, just like a couple of weeks ago, and I'm very, very happy. And I leave for the for the last, but not the least. <laughs> uh, also, a big three golf brand um, that even though I not used to use sunglasses, uh but it's true it's actually very important the same way as you take care of your of your skin with the, with the sunscreen you have to take care of your of your eyes and they give me an amazing sunglasses that i that i use it that i'm getting used to use it when i'm on the on the course but i'm telling you if you have the the, the chance to to look at it uh, you should look at it because it's actually going to going to help you a lot for sure. And I hope I haven't forgotten any of the <laughs> of the of the brands that, that, that work that work with me. I'm I'm very I'm very lucky to to work yeah. with the, with all, all these brands. And I mean I'm lucky with all the brands that I used during the the past years. Uh, but at this point, this is what I what I call what I can call my my, my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, very lucky. Because at the end, you know, uh, a brand that gave me shoes, a brand that helped me with the, with my clothes, a brand that helped me with my with my gloves, with my clubs, 
Uh, I cannot uh, <laughs> uh, have any bad word uh, about my team. Love it, dude. All right, well, I'll link all of your contact information uh, in the show notes. But, dude, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Like, your story is super inspirational. Dude, if I'm ever in Italy or Spain, let's play some, some golf, man. I'd love to. You're all guys invited to, to Italy, to Spain, whenever, whenever you want. And, I, yeah. and now I'm healthy, so I can play. Yeah, yeah dude, when are you going <laughs> to come to California? You should come to California, play some golf in San Diego. It's <laughs> a little bit far away. Well, you know what? After this, I think I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the United States a little bit there, okay? Yeah. Because the last time I was there, it didn't give me good news. But yeah. no, but, I mean, I, I love America. I lived there for four years. Uh, this is only just a memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, uh, a lot of my friends uh, are American. A lot of my European friends, they live also in America. Mm-hmm. And getting married in America, <laughs> starting to have kids in America. Yeah. Uh, but, so it's inevitable, yeah. dude. You'll be here. <laughs> but no, I have a really, really good memories from, from America. I mean, actually, after Spain is the, the place where I spend most of my life or most of my time because right. in Italy it was two, two years, as in September will be two years, but in the United States it was four years. I mean, from 17 to 21. Mm-hmm. Those are critical years, man. Critical years. Critical years, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Luis, I really appreciate you. Um, thanks for your time, man. You're an inspiration. It's a pleasure. And dude, if you ever want to come on, I mean, there's still some stuff to talk about, you know, like we need to get into live, live versus uh, PGA, I think is interesting, an interesting topic. I, I, would, uh, I would love to talk about, about that. I have different opinions. Yeah, but Ryder Cup too, like the team golf, there's still a lot to talk about, dude. So you're always on, um, you have like my information. So if you ever want to come on, dude, you're welcome. Whenever, really whenever you want, it. that would be a pleasure.